next case was presented by Dr. Loneal. A 55-year-old high-functioning executive sees his primary physician for fatigue. Routine blood tests reveal anemia with a hemoglobin of 9 and renal dysfunction with a creatinine of 1.8 and a high total protein. Further evaluation by a hematologist shows marrow involvement with plasma cells and extensive bone disease. Conventional cytogenetic and FISH testing have been ordered, and the pathologist says it's going to take up to five days to receive the FISH results and up to 10 days to receive the final cytogenetic analysis. So I guess we asked the respondents, what would you do at that point? And the most common answer was just to go ahead and start induction treatment. And then there are others, a minority, who would want to wait for the FISH and cytogenetics. What was your thinking? So we actually, you know, as we've talked about before, for a fit patient like this, we would offer RVD regardless. So we don't necessarily wait for the FISH and the cytogenetics to come back. So the bone marrow is tested for FISH. Right. But in this case, you went ahead and started them on treatment without the FISH or cytogenetics? Correct. And what treatment do you use? RVD. Yeah, well, that's kind of predictable. So then we asked the respondents, okay, you have the bone marrow back, and maybe you can talk about what the results were. Yeah, so the results of the FISH analysis, looking specifically for deletion 17P, 414 translocation and 1416 showed they didn't have any of those three abnormalities. The final cytogenetics, however, shows hypodiploid with no chromosome 13 deletion. So how do you put that all together? So a patient with hypodiploid myeloma is certainly a very, very concerning karyotype. This is a patient who clearly has cells that are dividing and thus has a cytogenetic abnormality. But hypodiploid, I find to be one of the most challenging subsets of aggressive myeloma that we have. It's up there with 17P deletion. So what happened then with the patient? So he did achieve a very good response following initial induction therapy. After four cycles, his stem cells are collected. He did, however, develop some grade 2 peripheral neuropathy following four cycles of therapy. And how did that manifest it? What did he have to say? What was his lifestyle like, and did it affect that? Yeah, it did a little bit. It was mostly some numbness. He never had any trouble with balance, but it was more numbness and a burning kind of a your foot's asleep kind of situation. He was an avid sort of walker kind of active person, and that made it a little bit more challenging. Do you try either preemptively or therapeutically any kind of supplements or neurotin or anything in bortezomib neuropathy? So we try and encourage patients to take a whole fistful of B vitamins and other simple things that we can do in the absence of data. And I think that's the most important thing to realize is I can make all sorts of recommendations, but they really don't have randomized data to support their use. For patients that develop early neuropathy, we prefer pregabalin over gabapentin as our first choice simply because it's a better tolerated agent, less hypotension and other issues with pregabalin. We also try using some antidepressants in combination with pregabalin. We tend to use Cymbalta in combination with it. And then, again, tell patients to keep their feet warm. It tends to be worse in the winter months, and if they keep their feet cold, sometimes the neuropathy tends to be a bigger issue. And what about management in the face of this neuropathy? I thought it was interesting that there's kind of a split in terms of whether or not to reduce the dose of bortezomib or switch to weekly. 
What are your thoughts about that choice, and what did you actually do? Yeah, so I think it's really interesting that in light of some of the weekly data in the older patient, this concept of rather than dose reduction, which is the standard summit and apex recommendations for dose-adjusting bortezomib, the weekly one has really started to come into play a lot more. I think in our case, we reduced the dose from 1.3 to 1 and kept it on the twice-weekly schedule because that's what we did in the original trial. But in general, I think this concept of weekly therapy, especially in a triplet, is starting to get a lot more foothold. And I think it's curious. I know there are a couple of investigators who were thinking about taking RVD with weekly VEL and looking at it in older patients as induction therapy. So I think we will have some clarity around this weekly schedule. So what actually did you do with this patient at that point? So this one with the neuropathy, we ended up going to one milligram per meter squared, reducing the dose and trying to complete out those four cycles. And what happened? It got better. And following a couple of cycles more, the patient decided that he was done with ongoing therapy, didn't want to come in to see us quite as frequently and wanted to go on to have a transplant. So he had the transplant? Yeah, and achieved a complete response. What about the therapy at that point? Again, we asked in the survey, and it was pretty split about whether to use maintenance therapy. How do you think that through, and what did you actually do? I think that it was probably less split before this CLGB data started to come out. I think it was probably less likely that patients would receive maintenance therapy. I don't remember what I said on this case, but I can tell you, given what's here, With a patient with hypodiploid disease, this would be somebody for whom we would give maintenance therapy, and it would probably be some form of triplet therapy because of the risk of hypodiploid disease. Triplet therapy? What kind of regimen? So what we're trying to do in this situation, again, in the absence of data, so I'm not going to claim that this is anywhere near evidence-based, would be to use weekly Velcade three weeks on, one week off with lenalidomide given days 1 through 21, and then a little bit of steroids weekly as well. So what's his current situation? Actually, he's doing well. He's not relapsed yet. So he's about a little less than a year out from his transplant.